I've had the privilege to be able to be with you and talking about some things. The last time we were together, talked about how faith sometimes loses itself in fear and how fear can control our lives and take away things as we examine the life of David. This morning we find David as he's moved through the things going on and we find him living in a cave, separated from his friends, his family, all that he knows and all that he's about. The time in which you and I can understand because many of us feel isolated, feel like we've been drawn, set aside because we can't go places and do things that we've done in the past. We can't enjoy the company of others the way that we should. And I think it's very appropriate that God would have this passage and this time in our study of David to be at this moment in this day. And so I want us to look at that in 1 Samuel chapter 22 and verses 1 and 2. In just a moment, I'll read those verses. We find David in a cave, having fled from all the things that he'd been running from, out of his fear and the things that were there in isolation and being a part of that. You know, dwelling in a cave is not something that many of us would choose, not something that we want. It all looks the same. The walls look the same. Everything's alike. And sometimes when we're confined to our homes, it seems as though the walls are coming in on us and everything looks the same. And day in and day out, the opportunities, the changes are not there for us. And we can feel isolated. We can feel drawn in and inhibited because of where we are. And it's what we do while we're in a cave that allows us to know who we really are in Christ or helps us maybe find Christ for the very first time as we find ourselves alone. And I want to look at that and think about that together as we see what God is doing. Let me just read that, those two verses for you, First Samuel chapter 22, verses 1 and 2, and then just want to spend some time with you talking about maybe some things that we can learn not only from David's life and experience in this, but what God is saying to us during this time in our own lives as we seek to be a people who give example of the greatness of our God and live by faith and know him. The Bible says, as we look at it, So David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when, he's, when, when his brothers and all of his fathers and household heard of it, they went down there to him. Everyone who was in distress and everyone who was in debt and everyone who was discontented gathered to him, and he became captain over them. Now there were about 400 men with him. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning we're gathered here in these unusual circumstances in the complete and total confidence that you're here with us. Father, what a joy, what an amazing thing that it is that no matter what's going on in our world, no matter what's going on in our own individual lives, there you are. Father, we thank you for that. We, we, we realize what an amazing thing it is to be loved by God, to be know that, known by you, to be able to understand that wherever we are, whether it is on that mountaintop or down in that valley, that you're there with us, that we can trust you, that we can depend upon you. And Father, I pray this morning as we just allow this time in the life of David to speak to our hearts and maybe to speak some comfort and some challenge, some new lessons for us to learn during this time in which we're separated from one another, but never from you. May we find ourselves, Father, learning from you this morning, hearing from you and experiencing your presence in whatever's going on in our life. And I pray that in the Lord's name. Amen. You know... This is one of the times in David's life when we see something of the, of the great heart that he possessed of what he's doing and the things that are going on in his life as he's trying to find his bearing. He's been afraid. He's been running. He's been afraid of everything that's coming to his life. And now suddenly he's alone in a cave. And in that cave, he's having the opportunity to meet with God in a way maybe he hadn't in a long time. He'd been so busy in his fear, so busy running that he hadn't really taken time for God. And now for a little while, he had to be still. 
And he had to listen to the voice of God. And he had to let that fear begin to be taken away from him as faith began to pervade his heart and his mind once again. It was in the cave that he drew close to God again. It was in that cave that we find a man who write some of the greatest songs that have ever been written. And it was in that cave that we find a man learning how to love God more deeply than he had ever loved him before. Learning how to hear the voice of God in his life and not all that, not the voice of God being drowned out by all the activities of life and all the things that were there. But he could hear in the still quietness of that cave the wonders of who God is and what he's going through. By earthly measures, David was a man who was shattered. But by heaven's vision measurements he was a man that was broken and that's a great thing in the kingdom of god because it is to see god uses broken vessels it's those who of us who have found and discovered that that when we're broken that god brings us back together and heals us and shapes us into that vessel that he truly wants us to be that we're not willing to let him do that we're not taking time to let him do in the rest of our life but in these moments of stillness God's able to take that broken heart, that broken dream, that broken part of our life, and he's able to begin shaping it and molding it and making us vessels that are more useful than we might have ever been before during that time. And I pray that as David is shaped and as he's used during this time, you and I might understand how God wants to use this time in our own lives and being a part of this. One of the first things that stands out to me as we look at this and understand this is that David was waiting on God's timing. None of us know when this thing is going to go by, when the virus is going to be far away, when we can begin to resume normal kinds of lives. That's beyond anyone's capacity to be able to say right now. We don't know when it's going. So we're in a time of waiting. And most of us, I know I am, have a really hard time waiting and just not being able to do the things that I want to do and long to do. But you see... In waiting, we find that God is so very real to us. And and we get to hear his voices in ways that we've not heard before, being a part of that time. David's the anointed king, and yet he's hiding in a cave. He's, He's separated from all that he knows and all the things that are going on and being a part of that. But one of the characteristics of a heart for God is learning how to wait on God's timing. See, I want things to happen when I want them to happen. I I want this virus to be over today. I don't want to ever hear of it ever again. But I don't know what God's doing in this process. I'm not sure what he wants me to learn and what he's trying to teach me. And I can either wait impatiently. I can can stay in frustration. I can live in fear. I can live in such a way that I don't listen to the things that maybe God's wanting to say. Or I can wait with a heart and a mind. That's open, maybe for the first time, because I'm not so busy doing everything else that now I can hear the voice of God. Sometimes our busyness drowns out God's voice. Our our activity keeps us from getting as close to God as he wants us to be. And, And God's able to take these moments in our lives, not that he causes them to happen, but he's so great. He's so wonderful that he's able to take the greatest disasters of life And he's able to bring them to a point in which they bring benefit to our lives and and teach us. I think that's what David was learning, that to wait upon God is a way to hear and understand what is God doing in my life right now? What is God preparing me for in the days to come as we would look and see what's ahead as we have the opportunity? See, David realized, I think, he discovered a truth that all of us need to discover, that it's better to be in a cave with God than in a palace Without God. It's better to be in a place in our lives where we are, are with the presence of God. You see, what, what he learned was that God can take even the darkest cave and turn it into a sanctuary. 
And that's what God wants to do in our lives, I think, right now, in these days. He wants our lives to become to be conscious again of the sanctuary in which they are. The Bible tells us that we who are Christians house the very God himself, that he dwells within us. And we know that he's there, but sometimes we don't take care of the sanctuary. We don't let the quietness bring us into the understanding that we are present with God. And God is present with us right now. Wherever we are, whatever we're doing, whether we're in our home, whether we're in our car, or whether in one of those few moments that maybe we can venture out and do something that we have to do to get groceries or whatever it may be, God's presence is with us. We are the sanctuary of the living God. And our homes and our cars become the sanctuaries of God as we look at it and as we understand. And so God wants us, I believe, in this time of waiting, in this time of not being sure of what the future holds, of of when times will come, when life will be as normal as it once was before, or at least what we thought to be normal. In these times, God wants us to have the sanctuary of his presence in our heart and to realize that as we wait upon him, he has some things to teach us, some things to do in our lives so that we can be even more the people of God he's called us to be when we're able to step forth again into a world in which we long to be a part of actively once more. But while he waited, the scripture makes it clear that God was using him and that he was being willing to be used of God and he was going on. As he waited in that cave, the Bible says that God began to bring people to him. His family came in, first of all, and I, this morning it hit me. You know, his brothers had mocked him when he was anointed king, and, and when he went to fight David, uh, David went to fight Goliath. They mocked him again and made fun of him and told him to go back and play with the sheep. And yet here, the Bible tells us that all of his family came to him while he's here in this cave. They've come to him seeking his help and seeking his guidance in their life and being a part of what's going on. And it begins to list a number of people who came to him, those who gathered together as they looked at him and talked to him about what was going on. It says those that were in debt, those that were discontented, those that were struggling and distress and the things that were going on were coming to him and looking to him. Well, David, first of all, took care of his family. He, he put them in a place where they would be protected during his exile and they wouldn't have to be concerned about being provided for or, or being afraid all the time. And he took care of his family as he did that. But then as these others, God just drew them to him. As he was building David's heart, as he was building David's faith, people began to come to him. They came, the Bible says to us, the distress. That, that means those who were so overwhelmed with life that they, they just didn't know what to do next. They didn't know where to turn or what to do. And there's a lot of us today that are distressed. There's a lot of us who are confused. We're not sure where, where to go with our life and what lies ahead and, and what we're going to learn from this time as we look at it. Those that were in debt came to him. Those who had payments that they couldn't make anymore because of the financial struggles. And many of you and many of the people in our world are struggling with that idea and that concept right now because of has already been mentioned, uh, jobs being lost and circumstances happening, uh, things that have happened, even people uh, causing prices to go up in ways and trying to be a profit from this time. And people are struggling financially. And then there are those, he said, not only were they in stress and in debt, but the Bible tells us that they were discontented. It's a word that means that, that these were people who were 
were a sense lost in their way of life. They were dissatisfied with the way things that were going on. They found themselves struggling with everything that was happening. They were frustrated. They were embittered. They were in distress. They were lonely. They, they didn't know where to turn and what to do. They, life was not what they had expected it to be. And they weren't able to make sense of the life that was there. And, and they're distressed. They didn't know what to do. And so they came to a man who had a heart for God. They came to a man who had walked with God. He wasn't a perfect man. He had just finished himself running in fear from all the things that were around him because he took his focus off of God. But he had brought his focus back. He had come to that place now where he was with God. Again, his heart was close to God. His walk was with God and the things that were there. And the word got out. The man of God is there in the cave. The word of God came and spoke to people. And the word came to other people. And they began to gather around David and to be a part of it. And out of that grew the greatest army in the time that was there. The men who became loyal to him throughout his life. And all the things that were there as he was going about. While he was in the cave and these people were coming to him. What were they doing? What were they they were learning about God from a man whose heart was closer to God than it had ever been before. They were learning about the God of David and how God made a difference in his life and how worshiping him and loving him and serving him was the greatest thing they could do while they were in exile. Not just in the cave, but in all the days. This, this is one of the greatest periods in the life of David while he's in exile and running from Saul and all the things that will go on in the, pre, in the following chapters during this time. He's serving God. He's loving God. And his people that are gathered to him are doing the very same thing. They're protecting the people of God even during this time in which they themselves are in danger and exile. They're living out their lives of faith and being a part of all that's going on. You see... A heart for God has the capacity to wait upon God, but it also has the courage to do the things that we know we ought to be doing as we wait for God to speak and as we wait for God to teach us. We're waiting on God right now, His timing. I, I don't know when all of this is going to end. I don't know what it is that God is trying to teach all of us in this time, but I do know that those of us who know the Lord Jesus Christ have a great responsibility right now to live out our faith in the best ways that we can. We need to keep doing the things we know we ought to be doing and not be hindered by the circumstances in which we live. You and I today ought to be a people of prayer like we've never been before. Most of us have more time to pray than we've ever had in our life. More time to speak with God personally and to listen to God speak to us. We have the opportunity now to take the power of prayer, which is the greatest power that's ever been given unto man. We have that power to touch lives. See, prayer can't be stopped by disease. Prayer can't be stopped by boundaries. Prayer can't be stopped by isolation. Prayer can't be hindered in any way except the lack of praying. And we now have that chance to make a difference. You and I can pray in ways we've never prayed before with most profound faith and with fervor. We can pray with a consistency as we give ourselves to one another and lifting each other up. Every single day we ought to be praying for this church staff and what they're trying to do to minister to us even when they have hindrances put upon them and, and isolation that they can't go do the things they want to do. And would like to do in serving you and serving our Lord. But we can pray for them and ask God to keep them strong and healthy. And, and able to find new ways and, and able to minister in whatever ways they ought to do. We can pray for one another as a family of God. 
There are all kinds of needs that are still existing among us. They haven't stopped just because we've been isolated. People are still sick. People are still struggling with having their provisions taken care of. People are still needing things touched in their lives. They need to know the fellowship of the family because we were created for fellowship. We were created to be together as a people of God. And temporarily, we can't do that. And so this prayer can make and touch people's lives. We have the means and the access to touch people's lives every single day by phone, by texting, by Facebook, by Twitter, by just calling someone or by doing the old-fashioned way some of us have to do, just by sending out a card or a note to someone and, and spending time touching their life. Every single day, you ought to touch someone's life during this time. You ought to call someone. You ought to touch somebody's life by what you say, by what you are able to send or do or drop off. Maybe you can't go in their house and see them, but you could drop a, a care package by. You could do something to make it known that they're being prayed for, they're being thought about. There's a lot of lonely people all the time, but during this time, it seems that loneliness just increases and forces us greater into a box, but we can make a difference. See, there ought not be a single member of this church that doesn't have a contact every single day. We can't do it all. This staff can't call everybody every day, but you can. You can make a difference. See, while we wait, we're supposed to be doing the things that we know we ought to be doing all the time. And that's being loving brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ. We can pray. We can contact one another. We can make a difference in the things that are going on and being a part of that. We can be asking God to clear our hearts and our minds and help us to become pure of heart and pure of mind so that we're able to be better instruments of his use in the time when we get to that place in our own life and the opportunities that are ours as we look together for those times. See, we, we wait. And while we wait, we, we need to be serving. We need to be doing things. We can't just sit at home and say, well, when I ever get to get out, when things turn to normal, then I'll do the things that I know maybe I ought to be doing. No, we need to be doing those things right now. We need to be touching lives right now. We need to be doing things through prayer. We need to be doing things through uh, touching people through the means of communications that are to us, well, available to us and whatever they may be. We need to be making a difference in people's lives, making it possible. Maybe there's someone that's needing a call from you. Maybe there's someone who needs some financial help and something that you, you just feel God touching your heart and say, you need to do this. It's still being faithful and giving to the church. We need to be doing those kind of things. It's what we're supposed to be doing. And we don't sit back and wait. We do it now because we're supposed to be doing that all the time. And we contribute our lives and our faith and our hope before a living God because we know that our God is supreme and that he lives and that he's not caught by surprise. He's not taken off guard by any of these things that are going on. He knows exactly and understands what's going on. He recognizes this that's happening right now. As you sit in your home or in your car, he understands where you are and he's speaking to you even now reminding you that you're his child. That he loves you. He knows your name as we heard sung a moment ago. He knows everything about you. And he wants to so love you in this moment that he builds up your life in ways beyond those things that maybe we thought were possible in our own life. Because we, what we're doing right now is learning how to trust as we wait. Learning how to trust God in all the things that are going on. See, David quit running from God. Quit fearing all the circumstances around him. And begin to learn how to truly trust God. You know, sometimes it's so easy for us to hold on to the things of the world and to treasure those things and to make those things the most important things to us in our life. We, we want those. And, and, and now when we find ourselves maybe not having those things in our life as much as we should, maybe one of the things God is trying to teach us is that our dependence needs to be more on Him 
than on the things of the world. Our dependence needs to be more upon his provision, upon his protection, upon his love, upon his presence, upon his enlightenment, teaching in our lives than any other time. Right now, maybe some of us at least have more time to be taught by God than we've ever had in our lives. More time to hear the voice of God speaking to us and teaching us who he is. This is a great time for you to pick up the word of God and to be able to just let him speak to you through his word, to learn how to trust him more and more. See, all the promises of God that are contained within this great book, the Bible tells us, are yes in Jesus Christ. But most of us never experiences those promises because we don't take time to read the word. We don't know what the promises are. We're not familiar with God's word enough to let that word seep deep into our hearts and take root and begin to bring out fruit in our life. But right now, you've got time to open God's word. What a great time to reread through the Psalms, all 150 of them. What There over and over and over again, you find God speaking to his people and people crying out in times of hurt, in times of disappointment, in times of frustration, in times of fear. And yet in each of those cases, they find that God comes to meet them where they are in the times that are going on. We often talk about the Beatitudes that we find in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in the book of Matthew and portions of it in other Gospels. But if you take time to look at it, there's some amazing Beatitudes throughout the Psalms. Uh, over and over you'll find the term blessed, blessed by God uh, in, in this Psalms and that are there. And you'll see how blessed we are as a people of God because we have a God of blessing, a God who is who loves us and cares for us. And here's a great time to get to know him better, to spend time with him as we wait upon him and learn how to trust him in all the things that are going on with a heart right with God. We can depend upon God to, to deliver us in the time that needs to come. We can depend upon him to take care of us, to provide for us, to lead us, to guide us. But we have to have our hearts turned to him. A lot of us are spending our time complaining, questioning, making judgments about things that have been done or haven't been done. All kinds of things in our lives. We're being as negative as we know how to be. May God forgive us. This is a time that we ought to be the most positive people on the face of the earth. A time when you and I, instead of looking at all the negative things that are going on and all the things that we're struggling with and all the things that we've never had to face before and don't have answers for all of it, it's a time that you and I ought to be able to look to God and to say to him, God, what is it that you're teaching, want to teach me? What do you want me to learn out of this experience? How do you want to help me to be the child of God that you've called me to be? How, how could you teach me how to be more loving toward the people that are around me and the things that are there? See, so many of us have gotten to the place in our lives where we don't think church is necessary. We don't think it's important to gather anymore. We think it's irrelevant that we can worship God just as much anywhere at any time as we want to. And so we put aside those things that are important. But God tells us that it's, it's vitally important. In fact, he commands us that we need to be gathered together. And some of us who cherish that and, and find the wonder of that are missing it greatly in our lives. And I know as soon as we're able to gather together, we'll be back together in full force. But some of us who maybe have laid aside that and felt like it wasn't as important as it used to be, maybe we can begin to see that when things are taken away from us that we don't have, that we used to have, that we take for granted all the time. Maybe it's time to get back to the place God wants us to be. Back to the place where we're serving God the way we ought to serve God, where we're worshiping together. See, there ought not be a time when we gather together in worship and we have that privilege 
That every one of us who know the Lord Jesus Christ in our hearts sincerely, truly, not just those who are, say they're church members who have walked down an aisle, but those who really know Christ in their lives would find themselves longing to be together with God's people and to worship together. I believe at the end of this time that our churches ought to be more full, more filled with the wonder of God's people, loving each other, cherishing each other, and loving God and thanking God for the greatest privilege on earth to be with Him at His invitation, in His house, with His people, to be blessed by Him and all the things as we wait upon Him. What's He want to teach us? What is it that He wants to do in our lives as He humbles us and makes us more dependent upon Him than upon ourselves? And then, out of that time also, we see, as I mentioned earlier, David emerges from the cave. He doesn't just stay there all the time. God brings people to him, and he begins to work. He, he goes out and protects God's people. He goes out as he seeks God's face over and again. He says, God, am I supposed to do this? Is this what you're leading me to do? Because he's gotten so aware that he needed to follow God's heart that every action he asked God, and as he goes, and he goes out and begins to do. And one of the things that are going to happen one of these days, I don't know when, but soon, hopefully, but whenever it is, however long it takes, we are going to emerge from our isolation. We are going to move out of our homes and back into the world as we used to do it. We're going to get busy again. We're going to do all the things we've always done. Maybe and hopefully for those of us who know Christ in a different way, in a more mature, humble way, in a more loving, kind way. But we're all going to be busy. We're all going to be doing those kind of things. We're going to emerge. And what are we going to do when we emerge? Well, I, I hope that you and I would have learned and walked with God so much during this time that we're going to be better citizens of the kingdom of God than we've ever been before. That we're going to be people who are more kind, more loving than we've ever been before. That we're going to be people who are more aware of people around us and, and the needs. And, and instead of ignoring them and looking past them and, and not even taking note of the people that we meet in, on the street, in the stores, and the places that we work and the things that are going on, suddenly everybody's going to matter. Everybody's going to be important to us. And we're going to realize that that person is a person that Jesus Christ died for. That person's a person that God loves. And I need to love them. And, and so maybe our hearts are going to be opened. And maybe our minds and our senses are going to be more conscious of the opportunities that God puts in our path. To be witnesses. Uh, to be ministers. To be those who touch people's lives. Uh, as we emerge all kinds of things. There was a, another man of God who spent some time in a cave. His name was Elijah. And he had the opportunity in 1 Kings chapter 19, if you want to read it, he, he just had a great victory. He's, he's defeated all these false prophets of false gods. He's just seen God do some amazing things. And then his faith got overwhelmed by fear. And in his fear, he ran. And in his fear, he became depressed and wished he wasn't even alive. He, he just wished he had never been born. And God led him to a cave. And the Bible tells us in those verses that there a great wind went by, but God wasn't in the wind. And a great earthquake happened, but God wasn't in the earthquake. And there was a great and mighty fire, but God wasn't in the fire. But then there was a still, small whisper. And in the whisper, God spoke to Elijah once again in a way that he heard and that he understood. And he began to go out. He, he, as he emerged, he went and Anointed the next man to follow in his footsteps, Elisha, to be the, follower, the prophet of God. He went and anointed others to be king as God directed him. He began again to do his ministry and to serve. And he served God so faithfully that there came a moment in his life that God came down in a chariot and picked him up and took him on home to be with him forever. 
As he emerged, he served. He, he went on to be the God man that he wanted to be. That's what God's looking for in our lives. However long we're in our cave, however long we're in our dwelling, however long we're in this separation from one another, God's teaching, God's strengthening, God's building up our hearts, our faith. He's speaking to our lives. Some of us want that which Elijah was looking for. We want God to do the great and mighty act. We want God to do something so astounding that the whole world sits up. And while we wait for that, sometimes we miss his voice. Because you see right now, today, in every day that comes, that still small voice of God, that voice of the inner speaking of God, His Holy Spirit within you, is speaking to you every single day. Teaching you, guiding you, directing you. But the problem is, most of us aren't listening. We're not hearing what God's saying. We're not allowing ourselves to. So maybe, maybe, this is a time that some of us can just make ourselves be still and listen. And in a still, quiet voice, there in the presence of your home, God will say something to you, has been, will continue to do so, but maybe you'll listen and be a part of that time as we have the opportunity to do that. See, there was something that happened in a, as we look at this. These people came to David because they saw here a man with a heart for God. They came to David because they saw someone who was being shaped by God himself. And they heard him sing songs that touched their very souls. They heard him teach of a God who was greater than anything they had ever experienced, ever known in their hearts and in their lives. And they came to him. They left one kingdom and they came to yet another kingdom. See, when they separated themselves from Saul, who was the king, and, anointed and set themselves aside to follow David, they had to change the kingdom. They couldn't stay loyal to Saul and be loyal to David. They had to make a decision. And so it is for each of us today. All of us who know Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior have made that decision. We changed out of the kingdom of this world, the kingdom that's temporarily ruled by a false king called Satan. We quit letting him be the ruler. We quit letting him direct our minds and our thoughts. We quit letting him have a say in who we were and how we live. And we changed kingdom by faith from Satan's world into God's world. And the Bible makes it very clear there are only two kingdoms. You can't be in both at the same time. You can only be in one or the other. And we have to make a decision. When these people came to David, they didn't just come for his comfort. They didn't just come for his provision. They didn't just come for what they thought he could offer them. They came to submit to him. He never spoke to them about legality. He never spoke to them about authority. And yet in him they saw a true king. And they came and they devoted themselves to him. And they submitted to him as king and captain of their lives. So must you and I do the same. And if we know Christ, we've done that. But those who don't know Christ, this is what you need to understand. Since you can't live in two kingdoms. You can't live in the kingdom of this world, in the kingdom of God. You have to make a choice. And if you make that choice, the only right choice is to step out of the kingdom of this world into the kingdom of Christ. And when you step into his kingdom, it has to be full-hearted with everything that you are because you can't live in both kingdoms. You can't serve partly in one and partly in the other. You have to separate yourself from that kingdom and come into this new kingdom, acknowledging fully, completely, and totally that Jesus Christ is Lord of your life, that he's the one who is the captain of our salvation, that no other can bring salvation, no other can bring satisfaction, no other can meet our needs, no other can stay with us in the presence of our isolation and lift us up into a joy unspeakable and a peace that passes all kinds of understanding, but the Lord Jesus Christ, who is our Lord, who is our Savior, and all that's there. And so in a moment... 
Mike Kleipenbaugh is going to come and he's going to share some things with you about how to make those decisions in your life, how to move in such a way that you can know the power of God in your life, whether you're a child of God already or whether you need to make that decision right now, today. Obviously, we can't have an open invitation here. You're not here. But in a moment, you're going to be given the opportunity to know how you can respond to God's grace in your life in a very special way. Whether it's trusting him as Lord and Savior, whether it's recommitting your life, whether it's making yourself available to be God's instrument to touch people's lives in the quietness of our homes, in our cars, in the cave dwelling that we're in, in the isolation that we find ourselves in. God's seeking, still seeking people after his own heart. People who will learn how to wait Not impatiently, not angrily, not in frustration, not in blaming others for the situation that things are in, not in getting angry at people who are trying to serve us in our stores because they don't have everything that we want them to have, not in taking out our frustrations on anyone else, but people who are learning how to wait upon God in such a way that we become more loving than we've ever been before, more kind than we've ever been before, more patient than we've ever been before. God's shaping us and molding us and taking us and helping us to be a people who have a heart for him. And people with a heart for him always draw others to themselves, always draw to them because they see in us the Lord God. And they have that opportunity to know him and to experience him. These are hard times. and We don't have the solutions and we don't have the answers maybe that we want and that we need. But I assure you that God is with you. In fact, Psalm 139 reminds us that we can't go anywhere, that God isn't there already ahead of us. He's ahead of this virus. He's ahead of everything that's going on. He's with us in all things that are going on. May we take hope. May we live in the kind of life as we wait. May we make ourselves available for God to mold and to shape and to use this time in ways maybe we've never offered to him before. Here's my life, Lord. Take it. Shape it. Make it what you want it to be. And when I emerge from this time, whenever that is time comes, God, I want to emerge glorifying you. And I want to emerge in such a way that I am a better servant of God than I've ever been before in all of my life. Would you pray with me? Father, during these moments, we don't have the answers you do. We're not sure where to turn, but you do know exactly which way we need to go and how we need to go. You know the pace that we need to walk. You know the direction of our life and all that's going on. You know everything about what happens tomorrow, even though we're not even sure what's going to happen in the next few moments. So we want to learn how to trust you. God, I pray that in these moments that we will allow ourselves to be taught by you. That we'll spend more time with you than we've ever spent before. That we'll develop habits that maybe we've never had before. Maybe we've never had a daily devotional time with you. Maybe we've never really spent time in prayer. If we read the Bible, it's simply just to say, check it off and say, I read my Bible. If we pray, it's just to ask you to bless our food or to give us something that we want. But God, maybe this is a time that we could learn how to really open the word of God and let it speak to us. Maybe this is a time that we could really learn how to pray and in that prayer learn how to listen. Maybe this is a time, Father, that we can be molded and shaped and formed into the people of God that you call us to be. So that when you open the doors once again and we're able to step out in the fullness of living as we have been, done, been used to doing, we'll be different. We'll be changed. We'll be a better people of God than we've ever been before. And we'll make an impact upon our community 
and upon our world as a people of God that we haven't made in a long, long time. But now we can because now we've become prepared. Now we've been shaped. Now we've been molded. Now we've submitted in humbleness, in total dependence to God our Father, Jesus Christ our Lord, and the Holy Spirit living in us. May we truly, Father, serve you, thank you, walk with you. In Christ's name, amen.